What's up, man? Hey, D. Oh. Sorry, I didn't get those questions back to you. I totally slipped my mind. No, it's all good, man. Ain't no big deal. I was for once trying to give you a little bit more lead time on one. So, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I hear you. These fuckers up north. Of course, opening day first is at 10 o'clock Eastern. That's fun. Yeah, I don't like it. Just doesn't make any sense, man. I know we're going to be watching baseball two in the morning at least. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Like next month, like when it's a little warmer and whatnot, like right. start the season, you know, like because you yeah, know you got to get that Arizona block. trip in at some point. I don't know. Right, not to start the season though. Cut us a little break. Oh, I had a good one about this Michigan team. Um, these mofo's just dropped Virginia Tech for twenty twenty one home and home. You know what I'm saying? I just had one that was just burning up inside me. I was like, oh, putting Cast Tech on the schedule, huh? I see you. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, let me get this guy on. I mean, it's pretty straightforward, man. It's open-ended. This guy's going to go on and on. So, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it ain't going to be hard to get him going. Go wherever you want to go with it. Um, I got you. I will tell you this on a side note. Um, I just talked to this guy. I knew he wouldn't be able to do it, but it was just because I found him earlier today. The guy's name of his site is alwaysthejake.com. And um, real heavy yeah. in baseball. He's real good. He guy, just started man. following me, I think. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I just recorded it at five thirty. Um, we're gonna get him on next oh, okay. week. So, and like do a like home opener kind of special. Get more into it. But the guy's cool. real good. So. Yeah, he had a good article. Mm-hmm. Right. A preview article. Let me get Ben on. Hey, Ben, how you doing? Demetrius with an Ohio Bias. Hey, how you doing? Doing all right, man, doing all right. Uh, we got Jake, too, I hope, here. Yep, I'm here. Hey, how's it going? Nice. All right, yeah, man. Good, good. All right, man, this is it, man. So I hope you're loaded up over there with a lot of good CVJ talk. Oh, for sure, for sure. Been uh, watching all the games, uh, a lot of exciting stuff going on here. Yeah, I feel like the jinx. I watched the Saturday night game literally in its entirety, and that's the one that broke the streak. So I feel like that one's on me. But um, all right, the the streak um, coming to an end. I mean, we'll see if that matters or not. I mean, the biggest thing is the team's playing better. Um, last year's winning streak felt more like a streak. Um, where, like, the team had a lot of chemistry and stuff. This year's was a lot different, a lot of new pieces. Uh, the team finally finding their identity for the first time, looking like a good team. So this one, although shorter, um, might have a lot more promise. So we'll see. All right, Jake, I'm going to lead it in and finish it up, man. Just take the middle and jump in where you want to. So. All right. This is with an Ohio Bias, a podcast for real fans with D and Jake. And he's been beating down our virtual door, ladies and gentlemen, to get him back on the podcast. He's finally back. Ben Jandron from at the I, uh, from at the six I four dot com, if we get that right. At the six I four dot com yeah, is back on the podcast. Welcome back, Ben. All right. Thank you so much for having me back, gentlemen. I'm uh, I'm excited to talk some C B J here. Yeah, if we hadn't took a hiatus, then we would have had you on sooner, but we're back talking everything CBJ, and let's just get to it, man. Like, um, like we were kind of talking off pot about it, but I feel like I broke the streak because I, I literally hunkered down with some goodies, you know what I'm saying? And we're going to get some of your craft beer recommendations, too, here to end up the podcast. But I was all laced up, you know, watched the Blue Jackets play, and uh, I think I was the reason that they lost the streak uh, Saturday night. Yeah, well, 
when they lost the streak on Saturday night to the Blues, uh, let's not forget, when the game was over, I believe, so the Blues were on a four-game winning streak. They extended theirs to five. Blues and the Blue Jackets are arguably the two hottest teams in the NHL right now. So um, they lost, but Jake Allen, the goaltender for the Blues, give him a lot of credit, made arguably you know one of the saves of the year against New Devara. Uh, early on in that game. Speaking of Nudavara, he got a contract extension today, uh, the defenseman for the Blue Jackets. Um, so the streak came to an end, but I would not say that they played bad when you started watching. It was just all good things come to an end. They had to lose at some point. Uh, better to lose to a good, hot team that's going to be in the playoffs than just have like a stinker or something like that. No, I had that one circled on the old schedule though. Like I knew it wasn't. It was a light sports night, so like it was like the CBJ get my full attention and uh, was in there even mixing it up in the U- Union Blue Soldiers thread and everything. Um, but um, oh yeah, I mean after Cam Atkinson kind of kicked that one in, which I think it was a goal. But you know, nevertheless, um, it kind of went downhill right. from there. And the Blues were just hot, like you said, they were on a streak too, so it was meant to happen. Uh, Jake, I know you want to get in here and mix it up, man. Uh, but first, Ben, drop the social media, everything, just so people know where to follow you as we're talking everything CBJ here on the podcast. Yeah, so uh, first of all, for Twitter, uh, there's a couple uh, Twitter pages you can follow. My personal one, where you're going to find the most hot takes, I get some pretty good CBJ hot takes here and there and some stats. Um, it's going to be at Clutch Blogger, C-L-U-T-C-H-B-L-O-G-G-E-R, at Clutch Blogger, and then uh, for basically just all the stuff that we post on the6i4.com, you can just go to at the6i4. If you type in the6i4.com on Facebook, you can find our uh, web. You can find our our page where we post everything on Facebook for the6i4.com, and then of course, if you just go and type in the6i4.com, you will go to the6i4.com. Um, one thing you talk about Jake Allen and the goal, and uh, we kind of saw some of the the remarks by Torts, you know, after the explosion the other night coming back three zero, um, and just mm-hmm. like you know winning seven three. We saw Torts talk about lifting Bob up. I mean, we know how important that was in the playoffs last year. Maybe the pressure's off yeah. now as they play through, not trying to you know just keep a streak going, but just playing good hockey. Um, is that something that we could see maybe lead to success for the Blue Jackets as they try to, you know, push through for another playoff push? Yeah, so Sergei Bobrovsky, um, I'll say this. Let me put it in context. One of those, one of the things, you bring up a great point. Um, early in the season when the Blue Jackets won six in a row um, in November, it was a team where, I mean, the offense wasn't bad by any means, but it was Sergei Bobrovsky was the man and putting the team on his back for the most part. And, uh, you know, the the team wasn't – the team was winning games, but you could tell they weren't a great hockey team at that time. It was just Sergei Bobrovsky was doing what Bob does sometimes, just play out of his head and, and make up for everybody everybody else making mistakes. Yeah, so that Edmonton, that Edmonton game you brought up, that's a great point. Um, the Blue Jackets in the last 12 games, Okay, have averaged four goals a game in regulation. All right, they had a 23-game stretch from December 31st to February, I believe, 24th, where they averaged 2.04. So basically, two goals a game. They had a 23-game stretch where they were only averaging two goals a game. So nothing. Um, the last 12 games been averaging four goals a game. So essentially. Um, what they've been doing recently. I mean, from when they were cold at that point in the season, then they got up to the trade deadline. They made some changes. They've been just about doubling the amount of goals, you know, they've been putting on the scoreboard. And it's important for Bobrovsky. Um, He's a very interesting player because when he's on his game, he's one of the top, top three goaltenders in all of the NHL. Um, but there are so many complexities to the playoffs because last year with the Blue Jackets, Bobrovsky did not look good against the Penguins. And he admitted in the offseason that it's a, 
a little bit of a mental thing, and he needs to figure out how to just go in and, and it sounds like a cliche, but it's very simple. Bobrovsky, with how good of a goaltender he is, if he just plays his game, again, he's won the Vesna Trophy for best goaltender in the NHL twice. If he can just play his game in the playoffs, like you guys are saying, that seems fine. But the problem has been that the, both times he's gone to the playoffs, they've played the Penguins, and Bobrovsky seems to uh, lay some eggs, if you will, against Pittsburgh. Now, the way it's slated out, all right, if the Blue Jackets were to win out in the last five games, which they play at Calgary tonight, which I understand when you guys post this, that game probably be over, but they're playing at Calgary tonight. Calgary's on a six-game losing streak. Jackets should be heavily favored. They're playing at Vancouver on Saturday. Vancouver, they, I mean, Blue Jackets should be heavily favored. Then next Tuesday, they play Detroit. Blue Jackets should be favored in that. And then Thursday, a week from when we're doing this live right now, next Thursday, maybe the game of the year. If they beat Pittsburgh next Thursday, they could possibly be home, have home ice advantage, and possibly be playing the Penguins. Now, so everyone talks about the Blue Jackets. It's like, well, can they get past the first round? But then they ask the question, but both times they played the Penguins, can they beat the Penguins? There's a real chance, guys, that they're just going to play the Penguins again. And for Blue Jackets fans, players alike, just get over it. This team's got to beat the Penguins, it seems like. Um, Two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. They're not going anywhere anytime soon, Crosby and Malkin. Uh, So there are a lot of unanswered questions. Um, We can talk about everything in the regular season, which there's a ton to talk about. But there are a lot of unanswered questions that we just won't know until they go head-to-head with Pittsburgh again. Well, it seems pretty it seems pretty simple, right, Jake? Beat the Penguins and uh, the Stanley Cup's coming to Columbus. Yeah, that's uh, that's been the case, uh, Ben. You, interesting about the Penguins, and I agree with you. You got to beat them some at some point uh, if you're going to do anything to get towards a, a Stanley Cup. But are they the matchup you think that would be easier for us to see in the first round, or if we get past the team in the first round, seeing them seeing them down the road in the playoffs is more beneficial for this team? I'll say this, guys. Uh, The Pittsburgh Penguins um, and their coach, uh, Mike Sullivan, I think is the name, Um, their coach is a guy that was under John Tortorella. And the Penguins are an extremely well-coached team, just like the Blue Jackets. John Tortorella's done a phenomenal job. Like, I might get into that later. But the Penguins, guys, everybody goes, when's the best time to play the Penguins? There is no best time. The last two seasons, there was no best time to play the Penguins. The, the question is, can the Blue Jackets play their best hockey, and can they beat the Penguins? The Penguins aren't going to beat themselves. And everybody hoping the Penguins are going to beat themselves are just lying to themselves. So there's not a better time to play the Penguins, first, second, you know, third round, whatever you want to, you know, however you want to put it. The Penguins are going to come out, they're going to show out in the playoffs. The question is, can the Blue Jackets can they play their best hockey in the playoffs? Because we know the Penguins will. All right, so let's get into that a little bit with the Jackets playing their best uh, best game. Uh, and I think it really starts with special teams. And one of the great things about the Stanley Cup playoffs is you have your regular season and then you reset and it's a new season. Um, you know, I, I'm of the opinion that that's going to help the Blue Jackets, especially with the special team stuff. Uh, are, is yeah. this a team that the special teams is just not very good or is it a situation where this is a sleeping giant potentially where you have a, a very good set of players for both the penalty kill and the power play, and maybe it just didn't work this season uh, for the most part, and this reset might actually turn them into one of the better special teams in the league potentially? Yeah, so first of all, the reset's going to help regardless. Um, it's pretty hard to suck any more than the Blue Jackets have on special teams this year and go to the playoffs, Um, and they're going to make it. And right now the 24th-ranked penalty kill and, of course, the famous 30th-ranked power play. Um, Not only have the Blue Jackets been bad on special teams, but in Edmonton the other night, um, early on in that game, when they were on the power play, they gave up a shorthanded goal to go down 2-0. And then not much long – not much later – Edmonton gets a power play. They score a goal to go up 3-0. Um, 
Um, when the Blue Jackets, it was earlier, it was about, let's see here, it was about last week, they were in New York. They were up 2 nothing over the Rangers. This is when they played on Tuesday, March uh Yes, Tuesday, March 20th, in a 5-3 win. That was when Panarin got his hat trick. Um, they were up 2 nothing on the Rangers. Everything was going right. And then they got on the power play, and they gave up a shorthanded goal, and then a power play ended. And literally as the power play ended, when the Rangers player came out of the box, he scored another goal. The Blue Jackets are so bad on special teams, I'm not going to waste any time trying to sugarcoat it. Greg Wyshynski, uh one of the most well-known hockey writers of ESPN.com, basically said in an article that came out about a week ago or less, you, you know, the, the title was, Are the Blue Jackets Stanley Cup contenders? Something, something like that. And he basically said no because their special teams have been that bad. And you know what, guys? With what I've seen from their special teams, yes. Like, if it's anything like they've been in the regular season, they have no chance. But I'm with you guys. And the fact of, you know what, in the playoffs, everything starts all over again. Whatever happened in the regular season, put it under the rug. Um, that, that's what you should do with special teams. Because the special teams were so bad, it's almost like just forget about what happened in the regular season. Um, well, I mean, we'll get into the good things with the hockey team, but 100%, the special teams, I don't want to give them any excuses. Um, I've watched a lot of games, and uh, momentum is something that can be cliche, but when it comes to special teams, there's nothing bigger when it comes to momentum in hockey than special teams, and the Blue Jackets have lost a whole lot of momentum in a whole lot of games thanks to awful play on special teams. Just put it in perspective for a second, though. Um, you know, talking about a bad special teams versus the personnel you have on special teams. Does this team have the personnel to be good at penalty killing and play and power play? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I think that um, you talk about penalty killing. I think Seth Jones is one of the top three defensemen in the NHL. Um, he's a player this year that. When we talked last year, guys, I told you Seth Jones does a lot of things that people don't appreciate enough. And now he's a major Norris Trophy candidate for uh, best defenseman in the NHL. And it's about freaking time, to be honest. Um, he is He's just a guy, a big physical presence. Um, but let me tell you, like, you have him, but here's the difference between and, – and I, I was watching a, the Pittsburgh Penguins – excuse me, they were playing on Sunday night a few weeks ago. And I remember they were playing the Dallas Stars. And I I was watching this, and, and the way Pittsburgh, the way they handled their penalty kill, it looked so good compared to what Columbus does. Columbus, they wait. They wait for somebody to do, to do something with the puck. They give whoever has the puck way too much space. They try to space it out, and they're not aggressive enough. When you're on the penalty kill, if you just wait around and hope something good happens, it's bad. You have to – there's a fine line between waiting and being like having an aggressor go towards the puck and make a risky play. If you just hope everything turns out and you don't uh, move your legs and skate around, you're screwed. And the Blue Jackets way too many times have been lackadaisical on the penalty kill. Um, they've been bad at, at clearing the puck a lot of times. They've had turnovers. They've had times where they got a little too aggressive going to the other end of the ice to score, and then the other team brings it back and scores a goal of their own. Guys, like, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it this way. Just imagine, like, what you would want to do um, when you're on the penalty kill and what this team has done, and they're just the opposite. Um, it, the proof is in the pudding of why the Blue Jackets have been bad on special teams. If, if you guys want to say – a lot of people will be like, oh, it's just bad luck, right? Is it bad luck? It's not bad luck. The Blue Jackets special teams play has just been awful um, from both an X's and O's. It's from an X's and O's is the biggest thing. But, I mean, you should have good players if you're going to execute, and they just haven't. And then the power play, they're way too hesitant to put the puck on net. So many times the power play goal, when a team will score fastest, they take a shot right away, they get a rebound right in front, and they put it in. I, I could literally name – hundreds of times, at least, at least hundreds of occasions where it's like 
okay, put the puck on net. You got you got guys in front of the net, and they just keep they keep passing, and then they're wasting time on the power play. They're not getting the puck on net. I mean, they're 30th in the NHL, and they probably deserve to be 31st. So I'm just going to say I've seen what the coach has seen. I've seen what the players have seen. Tortorella went for a long time without talking about the power play. The talent, five-on-five and what they're doing five-on-five, is special. And then the special teams is anything but. (laughs) All right, well. You know, I mean, I think there is some hope for it come playoffs for sure, um, especially with a coach like John Tortorella. Uh, one thing I do want to talk to you about is the health of this team, uh, and it starts with the captain, Nick Foligno, uh, going out here for, you know, it's a lower body injury, and they say it could be up to four weeks, six weeks, something like that. Um, and then you got Brandon mm-hmm. Dubinsky on the other side, who has been kind of shunned away from the team. And now that Foligno's out, John Tortorella had to come back to him. First of all, Tell us how important this Foligno injury is and what it's going to look like when he comes back. And then secondly, what do you think that conversation between Brandon Dubinsky and John Tortorella was like? Um, well, first of all, with the Felino injury, uh, I think that it hurts, um, but it, it, it does not hurt as much as it would if you just saw Felino was hurt. <laughs> um Let's not forget the Blue Jackets went on their winning streak of, was it 11 games? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. There's 10 games. Yeah, so the Blue Jackets went on a 10-game winning streak without Josh Anderson, uh, one of the best, one of their best hockey players, okay? He should be coming back soon. Um, he'll do, honestly, no offense to Foligno, but I, I understand Foligno was playing center, right? I don't want to say this in a selfish way. Foligno is extremely important to this hockey club, but I think Josh Anderson's return will more than fill the void. Um, and he traveled uh, uh, with the team on the road trip. He, it looks like he's not playing tonight in Calgary, but he could be back as soon as Saturday night in Vancouver. Um, Josh Anderson goes out. The team still wins 10 games in a row. Uh, what the team did at the trade deadline has made injuries like ones to – Josh Anderson, and Nick Foligno not be like the end of the world, okay? The Columbus Blue Jackets, <clears throat> they they had Pierre-Luc Dubois, 19-year-old center. He has come in and went from a guy that was down on the third line playing wing to he's your top-tier center, okay? We'll talk a little bit more about him later. You brought in Artemi Panarin, who is just a stud on your first line. Cam Atkinson starting to score goals again. You bring in Thomas Vanek at the trade deadline, who just gets a hat trick the other night. Um, and he's basically put on a, I call it the misfits line. Like, Torch didn't know what to do some, with some of the guys, so he's like, all right, I'll throw Vanek, Wenberg, and Jenner on a line and hope it works. That line produced great. So on Tuesday against Edmonton, with the hat trick from Vanek, and then a career high for any player for the Blue Jackets, Wenberg gets a plus six in that game. In a line where Torch did not know what to expect whatsoever, that's one of the hottest lines on that team. Um, and then you bring in Mark Letestu to sure up the uh, bottom of the lineup. Um, he had guys coming in like Dalpy and Hannah Kynan who were, eh, you know, so-so and um, – Latestu is a great veteran presence down there. He's he's a little more reliable than those guys. Um, one of the most exciting moments for the Columbus Blue Jackets all season long was when Latestu came in uh, right on the day of the trade deadline. Um, I forget. I think he might have been traded the day before on Sunday, but it was his first game with the Blue Jackets when they won 5-1 to one over Washington, and he scored a goal in his first game back. That was one of the moments of the year, and you know, for him to make an immediate impact was really cool. It took Vonick about, you know, four or five games to really get his legs under him, figure out how he was going to fit with that team. But there is so much more depth, so much more talent on that team, um, bringing Ian Cole in to stir up the, the defense. Felino's injury hurts. Um, but like you said, 
you bring Dubinsky, who was a healthy scratch for a couple days, for a couple games, you bring him back. And Brandon Dubinsky, um, you have guys like Cam Atkinson and Boone Jenner who have bounced back uh, this season, and and Felino was you know kind of starting to bring it back. But Dubinsky is a very highly paid player. He's not produced. Um, there was some off the ice stuff that could not. Um, it wasn't uh, with. There's contractual stuff. It's it's a long story, but the athletic knew more than what they said, um, and they weren't allowed to report it through. It's really confusing. There's something with like the CBA or something, but there was stuff going on with Dubinsky that could have ended his career uh, early on off the ice. Um, I'm not going to get into that too deep, but the whole thing is it was off the ice, and then on the ice he wasn't doing much either. John Tortorella has all the respect in the world for Brandon Dubinsky. Uh, he wants Dubinsky to play well. But when the trade deadline happened, Torts had a meeting with his team, and he basically got out a chart, and he was like, hey, guys, here's where you all stand, okay? He showed from, like, all the players, all the positions from top down, I wasn't in that room, but I got a feeling Brandon Dubinsky was pretty low on that chart. And Brandon Dubinsky knew where he was. And Brandon Dubinsky knew what his status looked like. So Tortorella is done just, you know, patting guys on the back and saying, it's okay, let's give you another shot. Dubinsky wasn't performing. And you know what? If he wasn't performing, he was going to take him out now. He's got a big chip on his shoulder. Maybe he's pissed off, but you know who's more pissed off are the paying fans that go into that building and have to deal with him not performing all the time, who pay thousands of dollars to see them for a whole season. So I'm not going to feel bad for Dubinsky. He's a professional. He's getting paid really well. And to be honest, he's not performing up to snuff. So it's on him, and it'll be really interesting to see how it responds. I'm glad you guys brought that up. That's a... Very big question. But Felino injury, it hurts. But um, it's not going to hurt in an exponential way like it would earlier when the team did not have a well-filled-out roster like they do now with the additions of Ian Cole and Mark Letestu and Thomas Vonick. Right. I, I'm not sure which one. I think yeah. it's Vonick. I think it is Vonick. It's Vanek. Is it Vanek? Oh, all right. Vanek, yeah. Well, let's talk about oh, yeah. somebody. Yeah, calls him Van. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> let's talk about somebody that is producing for the money that they're making. The bread man. Yeah, you know I mean, mm-hmm. Mr. Panarin. I mean, we see him, and and my bigger question then goes to back to what we kind of started the podcast, with, which you were going to talking about the special teams being not that special and whatnot. What is going to be the lines that work? We see some of the shifts and across the cross lineups that happen, you know, whether it's the chemistry that maybe a Seth Jones gets sometimes with Atkinson or Atkinson and Panarin. Mm-hmm. I mean, I saw some great passes Saturday night just with those guys that didn't end up in goals, but you see it worked. Um, but that's not even supposed to be right. there because they have people injured. You know what I mean? Those lines, they shouldn't even mm-hmm. be on the ice at the same time. So is that something that we see torts go to, which we'd see a whole different strategy if it is Pittsburgh, you know, um, that they see in that first round of the playoffs yet again? Well, first of all, with Pittsburgh, and, and I hate to feel like I'm flip-flopping all over topics, the good news about if the Blue Jackets get Pittsburgh, if you want a glass half-empty kind of thing, is historically Dubinsky's been good against Pittsburgh. Like, he, like Crosby does not like Dubinsky, and maybe Dubinsky can be more of a defensive player in that series. Okay, but just, just throw that in the – in the in the jar, just as something to think about. Yeah, so with Panarin, I'll say this, guys. Um, the Blue Jackets in the offseason, they saw what happened in the playoffs last year, and they knew they needed a goal scorer. They knew they needed, all caps, a game changer, okay? And that's what Artemi Panarin is. Um, he had, I believe it was a game earlier where you guys, uh, you guys read the article when they had a comeback win against the Devils 5-3, to three, where Panarin had five primary assists in that game. And then you had, um, just like a week ago, uh, like nine days ago or something, he had uh, Panarin had a game where he got a hat trick. Um, he can do it all. Uh, he, he 
get a goal, or excuse me, a primary assist late in the game against Edmonton a couple nights ago where literally he avoided or juked out in some way like all five Edmonton players on the same play and then just whipped it over to Nudavara who basically tapped it in for a goal. Um, Panarin is – I'm going to put a big name out there. Um, he's not him, but he's he's surprisingly close. He's like Patrick Kane except Patrick Kane can shoot the puck. Um, I'm, I can't, I'm not saying Panarin can't shoot it, but the accuracy where Patrick Kane shoots the puck is a lot better than Panarin. Panarin can get all the guys involved. He can literally, by himself, he's like a force field. All the, all the players on the opposing team go to him to try to slow him down, and just so much opens up on the ice. Um, he is a one of those talents where you can't replace a guy like Artemi Panarin if you lose him. Um, so you're talking about the lines. He's doing a phenomenal job. Cam Atkinson's starting to find his scoring touch. Um, he had a hat trick the other night against uh, Boston in Boston. Um, and that – or no, 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 excuse me. That was Philadelphia, um, I believe, where he had that hat trick. Uh, I can't remember. It was Philadelphia, Boston. Hold on. Uh, Cam Atkinson had it against Philadelphia. He had a hat trick in Philadelphia. And uh, Cam Atkinson's just starting to shoot the puck. It's it's going in. He's starting to find his mojo. Whoever is on a line with Panarin is going to play better because they're with Artemi Panarin. Um, there, were, there have been a lot of reports in Chicago with the Blackhawks talking about how much they miss Artemi Panarin. And earlier in the season, it was, oh, we'll see. Panarin, it took him about like a few weeks or about a month to really uh, find his game with a new team. But then when he found it, he's been off and running. And uh, Panarin this year has put up, uh, you know, some solid numbers. He's got 26 goals, 45 assists. And that's for a team that, you know, for stretches just offensively has been inept. Um, so, I would say this, guys. The top line right now with Artemi Panarin, Pierre-Luc Dubois, and Cam Atkinson looks very good. Um, and I, I don't think they're going to mess with that. Now, the big question to me is when they bring Josh Anderson in, where do they put him? Um, because I don't think you want to mess with the, the line of Vonick, Wenberg, and Jenner. That second line is, is playing really well. The first line of Atkinson, Dubois, and Panarin is playing phenomenal. I'm thinking maybe what you do if they would play like a Pittsburgh is you maybe get Dubinsky and uh, Josh Anderson on the same line, and you could have a nice physical line um, somewhere near the bottom um, because Josh Anderson's a guy, I mean, he's not Artemi Panarin, but he's a really big guy that can be physical. And he's very he's a he's a rather quick hockey player. Um, he's the kind of guy that can make whoever else is on the other wing and whoever's playing center with him. He can make everybody else better on the ice. He's that good. Um, so Panarin is kind of the uh, let's just say the Blue Jackets through the team, right? You know they can't get out of the playoffs, and they kind of got to bring in. I don't want to uh, say anything. I don't want to get sacrilege or anything, but he's kind of the savior for this team. He's the guy, he's the chosen one, all right? He's the guy that's going to be that piece that's going to take them to the next level. And he has been everything as advertised and more this season. Ben, talk a little bit about just the incredible job that John Tortorella has done with this team, not just this team, this whole organization, and, and how he's been able to transform the locker room into a winning culture. Yeah, so last year, um, you know, they had that winning streak uh, from December to mid-January. And um, last year was a big business trip, okay? It was, all right, just nobody respects you. Earn respect in the league, okay? And they got all the respect in the league. They got teams to realize the Columbus Blue Jackets are a threat. Um Unfortunately for the team, you know, they lost in the playoffs, all of that. But what John Tortorella did with a team that um, it was before last season, they had 
78 points. It was a couple of years ago. And then they finished last year with 108. Um, that's unbelievable. He did such a great job with that team. And honestly, I mean, it, it felt like it happened a year or two too quick. I mean, it was like how, how in the world he had so many guys on that roster just playing the best hockey of their lives. Um, and I think that it wasn't necessarily his fault, but when you had a team who's their, – their, their mission last year was to gain respect in the league, and what happened was they almost gained it too quick, and then they kind of had to put their foot on, on the brakes, and they put their foot on the brakes a little too much. The playoffs were kind of a struggle, but, I mean, they played Pittsburgh. Game three, it looked like they could have won that. Um, there's a puck that goes off the mask of uh, flurry. Everything could be different, you know, if that goes in. But they gained respect in the league last year. Okay, guys? And this year, they're a team that really was probably playing with the most expectations they'd ever had. And how would they deal with it? And we found out there was a little bit of a time when, when they struggled with it. But it was a twofold kind of thing. Like, one, they weren't used to playing with the expectations. Um, and two, like, they just had an offense that on the ice and on paper for a while just sucked. Um, and John Tortorella, everybody, I mean, everybody who enjoys YouTube and uses it the right way has watched John Tortorella videos on YouTube of what he's done in the past and when he's blown up um, reporters. Um, and it was like there were probably about five, six, seven games. Every reporter, every fan that's watching the post-game interviews was just waiting for him to erupt and just completely lose it. But he did a very good job staying patient, not panicking, um, in a way just saying, hey, we're playing good. It's just it's not going our way. He knew his guys – he knew his guys were trying at least. Um, when the team wouldn't play with energy or they wouldn't give a full effort, that's when he'd get pissed off. And for him to just stick through it without really – he could have said some things that would have hurt some guys that would have gotten the locker room to start to go against one another. And he really just kept everybody together. He didn't blame, you know – he didn't just go off on the team like he could have. There would be games where, like, a certain player didn't play well or something, and he, he, he would mention a player here and there, but it would be in a circumstance where it was like, if you have a brain, you'd understand that guy had a bad game. Um, it wasn't anything like he was ripping guys unnecessarily. So for him to be able to get through all that and those tough times, and then for John Davidson and Yarmo Kekalainen to be able to do what they did at the trade deadline, and, like, you just have a whole new hockey team. And before that, he had the guys playing hockey the right way, but they weren't winning. And after the trade deadline, they kept playing hockey the right way. They got a little more depth. They got another scorer in Vonick. Um, they shirred up the defense a little bit. And, uh, like, voila, here we are. Yeah, quite incredible. It was a story, that's for sure. Of what the impact John Tortorella has been able to to have this uh, have on this franchise. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's go from here. What are your expectations for the Blue Jackets in the playoffs? Now they still have a little bit of work to do. I know Florida lost, but uh, they're not in it yet. Um, but let's mm-hmm. just say they are. What, what's the expectations of the Blue Jackets? Is this, is this a team that's going in enough of a right direction that? You feel confident that they could that they're going to win a playoff series? Yeah. So, what's interesting about the Blue Jackets this year, guys, is you could be a guy that doesn't watch the team that much, and you start to look at a stat sheet, and you can figure some things out pretty fast. <clears throat> like, you know, they got a good goalie. You know, they got a goalie who doesn't show up in the playoffs for the most part, and you know their special teams have been atrocious. So. Um, the thing is, like, wh- why they went on this winning streak is they've been scoring more, and really they have they have a good top – like, their top two lines have been very productive. Like, earlier in the year it was – they had a top line of Josh Anderson, 
Pierre-Luc Dubois and Artemi Panarin, and after that you had no lines that had any consistency. You really only had a top line. And what they have now is they have two top – they have a top two lines that are very productive, okay? And then you have Josh Anderson that's injured right now, and he's going to come in and be on your third line, a guy that used to be on that top line that was producing. So um, you have a lot more depth. Um, so what to expect, guys? If, if, if I was not covering the Blue Jackets, I would say I would expect the Blue Jackets to lose because Bobrovsky hasn't shown um, – there, there are people in the media that have picked the Blue Jackets to win and are probably just regretting it. And they're like, you know what, they're probably just – if I were them, I'd probably be telling myself, you know what, I give up. Until they win, I can't pick them. And I think the Blue Jackets, I think what's really interesting, I think, with them this year is, like, last year they were kind of a sexy pick. I think this year they're just going to be like, yeah, whoever picks the Blue Jackets is just going to look crazy. Like, come on, how many times have the Blue Jackets win and they haven't won? But I think you guys understand this. I understand this. The Blue Jackets kind of thrive when people just expect, like, little to nothing from them, right? Like, a couple of years ago, they they get that 108-point season when a lot of – when there were people out there picking them to finish last in the NHL. Um, this year, it's kind of like, oh, man, the Blue Jackets, are they even going to make the playoffs? And, and uh, you know, there are guys like Tom Reed admitted it. And, and, and I mean, I, I was, like, on the same side as him from the Athletic, and he's like, after they lost to the Penguins, I was like four weeks ago or so at home in like a five, two game. It just looks so, so dim for this team. Like, I I don't know, man, like maybe they're just not going to go, but then they make those trades. They're coming back. Like this year, they're getting hot at the end of the year at the right time. Right. And last year they got cold at the end of the year, but we just, I I'll admit it. I mean, kind of made the excuse of, well, they still had a 108-point season. I mean, they're going to be fine, right? But, uh, guys, I mean, it's still up on the table. I I don't think – call me crazy for saying this. I don't think whether they get home ice or not is really going to be the end-all deal. Um, I just think it's one of those things where, like, when the Blue Jackets play really good hockey, like, it's them playing really good hockey – um, they just because when they play bad, like they what, okay when they play bad this year, guys, they have just made they've turned the puck over a lot. Okay, they've given teams a lot of odd man rushes. Um, they failed to execute on special teams. But what this team does well is they're a good four checking team. Not the most physical team, but they've gotten better physically, I'd say, in the last month or so. Um, but they can control the pace of a game pretty nice. Um, it's just John Tortorella called the NHL like a dumb league because guys just make these silly mistakes where you shake your head. Blue Jackets have had a lot of those this year, guys. Um, and, you know, I don't want to take any credit away from other teams. You play Pittsburgh, it's a whole different ball game um, or hockey game, however you want to put it, but the Blue Jackets just need to limit the mistakes. The keys for the Blue Jackets, like, if you just give two keys, right, to, like, what if the Blue Jackets win the Cup without getting players or without getting a whole lot involved, like, it's just don't make silly mistakes and then have Bob show up. It It's like if Bob just shows up and the team doesn't make silly mistakes, it's silly mistakes that have hurt this team. Like, they'll be playing 15 minutes of good hockey, and you're like, wow, they're good. And then they just make a boneheaded play. They, and it just kind of comes at just random times when you don't see it. Um, just too many odd man rushes, too many turnovers, just too many plays where it's like they're confident, they're not thinking, and then they just make a dumb play. Um, but they really have done a good job at controlling the pace of the game. So, I, I mean... Let me ask it this it, way. It's hard quick. for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. All right. All, all the money you will ever get again, you have to put on the, the Jackets winning their first round playoff or losing it. Which way are you putting your money? Uh, winning it or losing it? Um, are they winning the first round or losing the round? I would say um, 
Oh, man. Uh, it's all the money. 50 50. 50 50. Well, I, I would say this. I mean, I would have to say losing. And But I I really think whoever they play, it's going to go six or seven games. Um, I think that the Eastern Conference, um, like, like the Capitals have been playing well lately. The, the Penguins have been playing pretty well, but we all know who they are in the playoffs. Tampa Bay Lightning is just a loaded roster. Boston's getting, you know, there's some guys that were hurt when they played them last. They're loaded. Um, there's four really good teams ahead of the Blue Jackets right now that, um, I, I mean, are really good hockey teams. And you got to remember, the Blue Jackets are still one of the younger teams in the NHL. But, you know, I, I would just say losing right now because Bobrovsky hasn't shown it in the playoffs yet. Like, if Bobrovsky shows up in the playoffs, there's no reason this team can't beat anybody. Um, it's just last year, they just, Bob just, it's disappointing, man, to see a guy that's so good in the regular season just kind of crumble. And um, I'll say this, like the Blue Jackets are one of the best coached teams in the league. They They went from one good line to two really good lines on offense. And and they have the, the the pairing we haven't gotten into the pairing of Jones and Morensky is just lethal. It's just right now they're going to play a really good team in the first round. That I mean, honestly, if it's Washington, Pittsburgh, uh, Tampa, or Boston, that team that they play in the first round could could win the cup. I mean, it, it's just. There are some really good teams in the Eastern Conference, and the Jacks are going to play one of them in the first round. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. Like, we'll we'll see what happens here. But uh, it's just I've kind of gotten to a point where last year it was like they're going to win. This is going to happen. And now it's just like I think they have, like, a legitimate, like, 40% plus chance that they're going to win in the first round, but I'm not going to believe it until I see it. Do you got anything else? No, I'm good, man. Ben, you feel right, like you, Ben, you feel like you, you gave us everything you could give us on the Blue Jackets right now. We'll get you back on tomorrow to get the part two of the breakdown. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. I, uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's I gave you the main stuff, um, and I I'll say this like I feel I I feel really good about what they could do. Like I have like an inner confidence of like yeah they can beat anybody, anything can happen. But it's just the analyst and the in me that says they're not going to win it. But deep down, like I mean I really feel like they can. I just I'm just not going to say it out loud until they do. <laughs> Now, give us a good recommendation and close out the podcast with some libations that we could, you know, celebrate either a first-round Blue Jackets victory with or drown our sorrows in. Yeah, so, you know, if you're looking to celebrate a win, you know, go with something big. Like, I mean, I think last year I was telling you guys, CBC, Columbus Brewing Company, the Bodie, that's a phenomenal brew. Um you go around the city, man, we got so many good craft breweries here. I'm going to give a recommendation of a bar, okay, guys? Because um, sometimes there are so many good beers that I just, I want the people who know me and listen to what I have to say and believe in it, I want them to be able to go experience the best beers in Columbus, Ohio, and beyond. And I would say the most underrated bar in the city of Columbus in the state of Ohio is Bob's Bar. You go there, they have the most unbelievable selection of beer on tap you're going to get. And there is just stuff with craft beer that I can try to tell you everybody about craft beer, get into it, all that. Um, get your Uber or whatever, because you're going to go there. There are going to be beers that are 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16%. Okay, some big boys. But they're going to have some phenomenal beers that you can only find there 
And that's kind of like if I want to go drink some really good beers, I go to Bob's Bar. Um, if I if I know what I want, like if I know I want an IPA or I want to try like a unique saison or I want to like you know work on my tail ale game, um, there's a place Craft and Drafts. They got two locations now. They got one in Gahanna. They got one in Hilliard. Okay, and Mike Choi, he started you know that place up, and and him or the people that are working there, you. Let them know what you want, and they will help you get exactly what you're looking for. Um, the way I go about craft beer is everybody has their own palate. There are literally ingredients in craft beer that you will have three people taste them, and the way our taste buds work, three people will taste something different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say... You know, those are my recommendations of places to go. I'm always a fan of CBC Bodie. Um, I was just over at Elevator Brewing Company the other week, and and you want a refreshing beer, that Elevator Hefeweizen. It is hard to go wrong if you can find that. Um, They just came out with an Uptown Pilsner. That's a delicious brew, a very nice, bright, mellow um, uh, Pilsner uh, that actually is a pre-prohibition style. They used some corn in there to get, like, some bright notes in it and uh corn and beer might sound like um not that exciting because i think some of like the macro brewers use it but they really used it the right way uh to make that um happen so i had a good talk with doug the brewmaster over there tried some delicious brews um guys i'll say this uh this has been um and, and you know back i'm talking about the blue jackets again here but this has been the most fun season to cover this team. Um, I know last year they took it from nothing to something, and that was great. But to see a team that looked almost dead in the water mm-hmm. just about a month ago and come back and start playing the best hockey of the year, um, I would say – I know I said the Blue Jackets, I don't think they're getting out of the first round. But if you're, like, going value and you got, like, $20 in your pocket and you're putting on the jackets of the other team, the best value is going to be on the jackets. Um, just because you win, you're going to get something big. So I just uh, – I'm really, really excited to see what's going to happen. And what's great about this hockey team is you know they're here now. You know they're going to be here in the future. Um, hockey – is alive in Columbus, Ohio, and don't worry about the jinx when you saw the winning streak come to an end. All good things come to an end. What matters is the playoffs, and and I am, I am excited. It's this is going to be special. I not knowing not knowing what's going to happen. That's what makes sports great, guys. And um, not knowing what's out there and what you can try and going and trying it. That's what makes craft beer great. So. We got a great city here. Enjoy all of it. Columbus, Ohio, the 6i4.com. I'm bringing it to you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and possibly you could catch Ben at one of those establishments watching the CBJ play. So there you have it. And I'm going to take my 20 books and uh, probably try out one of those craft beers, Jake. But uh, Ben, we thank you for joining us on the podcast. (laughs) I can't blame you. Yeah, thank you so much. Have a good night, fellas. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. All right, thank you. Bye-bye. All right, man. <laughs> I was going to say I have my $10 on the jackets at 40 to 1. I'm looking at my ticket right now. There you go, then. All right. Well, yeah. Jake's already got his money behind. Uh, I'm you know, ahead of the, the game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. The guy took us up and down there, so I didn't know where he was going to come out there at the end. But, yeah, you know, <laughs> hey. Um that's good enough, man. You know what I'm saying? I can, yeah. I can work around that. Um, what do you think yeah, about this? The, yeah, oh, I told you. I told you, man. He I, just I, I, was trying to, we gotta... I was starving too, man. So I was like over here trying to eat real quick. Um, <laughs> when I say this to you, what do you think? Lindor, Kipnis, Ramirez, Alonzo, Encarnacion, Chisholm, Gomes, Naquin, Zimmer. What's my initial thought to that? Yeah, that's the lineup. Um, I think it's good. I think we need Michael Brantley back. <laughs> I mean, where you put yeah. you, you're putting Brantley in that Zimmer spot? Then don't you flip that no. whole thing? Don't you flip that whole lineup no. then? Oh, um, 
Because Brantley off? was always hitting in that three spot, wasn't he? Who's leading off? Because I know Zimmer's hanging Lindor. That's why I wanted to – that's why, like, dude, oh, the lineup okay. came out, like, when this guy was on, like, them winning the Metro, and it's been, like, bothering me. Lindor – like, they had Kipnis last year. Am I not correct? Kipnis was leading off a little bit at the beginning of the season or, like, after yeah. the All-Star break or something? Yeah, he was for a little bit. Um, hmm. You know, I think this is showing the direct uh, impact already of losing Carlos Santana. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. now everybody has to slot differently. So we'll that guy can't have an MVP year. Time. He can't have an MVP year leading off. Am I crazy thinking that? I, I kind of agree. You know, and the other problem is, is you're looking for on-base guys, and ever since he started swinging for the fences, he's not the greatest on-base guy. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. So we'll see. Like yeah, I don't like that at all. Yeah, I don't, I don't know where else you would go. I, I mean, the only the only person you could put up there to lead off. I mean, the guy ain't got no speed though. I mean, but he's a good contact hitter, it's Lonnie, but that puts a lot of pressure on him. I don't, you know what I'm saying? I mean, Alonzo hasn't been here long enough to put that pressure on him either, but you would kind of want him to be the guy. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I want it to be Bradley Zimmer. I mean, I don't understand why yeah. that, that can't be the case. I know what Tito's doing. Tito likes to have a leadoff guy at the top and the bottom of the lineup. Okay. And right. so I think that's that wrap around with it. Yep, yeah, exactly. wrap around. So basically, like Kipnis is basically the leadoff, and he's the—I mean, Kipnis is basically uh, hitting cleanup. I mean, like you know, what I'm saying with those two guys up there. Sure, and, and the other thing too to keep in mind is, you know, I think Tito also likes to get guys the, that are the best, the most at bats possible. Okay. So if you don't have a leadoff guy that's really a leadoff guy, you just start moving guys up. I think, and that's what the thinking is: is that you put your best hitter at the top of the lineup and you're putting kind of a, a second leadoff hitter down at the bottom of the lineup. Yeah, Alonzo is protected between Ramirez and Encarnacion, so he should have a good year then. I mean, I know he's better. not going to be set in stone, but like he should be able to get off to a good start. Let me say it that way. Um, just looking we'll at see. this. That's crazy. I'm highly doubtful of yonder Alonzo. The guy oh, who's a clear year. Guy, man. Everybody that I've talked to is super high on the guy, man. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm not even going to lie to you. I had never even heard of the guy before this year. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah. Uh-uh. No, I'm skeptical. Any guy that uh, has a career year in his walk year, I'm very skeptical of always. Peptides, man. It's not hey, like you can get touch. tested like Abraham. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. All right, man. All right. Um, yeah. Yeah, at that. Uh, let me know what you got next week. Um, just open days wise. Um, when you figure it now out. Now that I'm now back to traveling, I should be a lot better off. All right. Because um, so I got any evening. Round. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, I'll hit you. Well, I'll hit you with something on work. Monday. We'll figure it out. So. All right. Sounds good, D. All right. Later, bye. Later.